Welcome back to another episode of our Eagle Perspective podcast. I'm Mike Siciliano, Dean of Students of the Upper School, and the alumni ones, I got to say, are my favorite ones. So I'm joined today by alumnus Haley Bennett. Welcome. Thank you. And it's now Haley Lyle. That's right. I'm sorry. I, married, I always do that wrong. I did marry an SFC lifer. You did. So. Yes. So, and and okay, I, before we get to the real stuff, because we're not here to talk about that per se, but when did you guys start dating? This is one of my favorite <laughs> subtopics of Santa Fe. <laughs> yep. How, how old were question. you? So my husband's Michael Lyle. Yeah. So he swears we met in first grade. Okay. I actually attended SFC in first grade. <laughs> I have no memory of it. Okay. Breaks his That's heart. That's sad for but him. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But I came back to SFC my sophomore year of high school, and we were not high school sweethearts okay. whatsoever, but we became friends our senior year, and that's when I first started to get to know him. And there's a group of us that loved hanging out, and I think the Lord was just doing a lot in our lives. And God had done a lot in both my life and Micah's life the summer before our senior year which just kind of set us up to try to um, do some prayer stuff with our high school. And um, we both just walked on the campus so on fire and excited. So awesome. that kind of culminated at the end of the year where I planned a worship night and Micah was my guest speaker. Wow. And that's, that's it was a tactic. Really fun. That's a strategy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we stayed in touch as friends through college. And um, I'd say we both needed to grow up in some good ways in that mm -hmm. time. Um, but when we both moved back home after some fairly transformative years for each of us after college, um, that's when we hit it off and started dating. So, okay. So like, yeah. that's the thing with the Santa Fe community is you you're always know. part of it. You never know who's going <laughs> to surface, resurface in your life. We yep. have, we've had actually, a, um, another couple on as well, similar story oh, that, fun. uh, that was married, but didn't start dating at Santa Fe. Mm -hmm. I always ask because, you know, um, I find in talking with parents, like they all, they always sort of assume that whoever their student might be, you know, having a thing with that it won't hmm. work out. And I have to be like, well, you never know. <laughs> like sometimes <laughs> it, does. it does, but, yep. um, but anyway, well, thanks for being here. Mm -hmm. Uh, what was it like driving up the, up the hill today to campus? Yeah, it was pretty cool. I noticed first off that the, um, parking cones and parking signs were a lot nicer. So I guess the heavy traffic in the morning is still a thing. It is absolutely and still a thing. always trying yeah. to figure that out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> true story. I remember trying to parallel park on that hill Academy. many times. Yeah. Yes. Um, Don't you feel like you gained parallel parking skills I from do, that experience, actually. though? I do. Like, yeah. Yep. We'll take a thank you <laughs> okay. if you want to give that publicly. <laughs> Part of my driver's yeah, ed after good. getting my license. <laughs> yep, it was great. But yeah, it is really cool to be back here. And, um, you know, just walking up, I ran into Mr. Lyons, who I love. Yeah. And there's always familiar faces here and people that have cheered me on throughout my life and still are. Yeah. Um, so it does have this feeling of coming back home in a certain way. So, and I'm, man, I'm, I'm totally skipping around here, but um, we are going to get to why you're here, which is you just recently, I know, published a book mm. um, and that had a lot to deal with your travels. And some of that started at, at Santa Fe through our global ministry program. And so we'll get to that. Um, but you mentioned people who are still cheering you on. So who mm -hmm. are some of those people that, I mean, you've been gone for, you were class of 2012? 2013? 2013. 2013. So who, we're talking 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Who are people who are still cheering you on, you know, that yeah. you, you still have a relationship with? Yeah, it's really cool. I think I, I would keep in touch with 
Madame Catania, mm-hmm. Jennifer Catania. Yep. Um, Mr. Lyons. Sometimes I'll see him at church and we'll cross paths. Um, who's another one? Um, I ran into Mr. Satterfield. Yes. Batikitos Lagoon. The legendary JSAT. Yeah. Yeah. And then I have a friend who's working here as an art teacher. So I get to stay in touch through things like that. But I feel like it's the thing where even though I don't, I'm not in their lives constantly, I'm not constantly running into them. Seeing them after so long, it's still like no time has passed. And you can just sense their heart, even after all of that time that they still care about me and they still are rooting for me and excited about what's happening in my life. So yeah. Yeah. That's good. Who's the art teacher? Miss Haug? Callie Hendrickson. Miss Hendrickson, our upper school art teacher. Incredible. So, she's fantastic. Have you seen her new digs? No. Oh, man. But I'm going after this podcast. Best cause... view on campus. <laughs> Brand new. I've heard. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. So, <laughs> well, um, let's get into your story a little bit. So you graduated in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, you recently published this book, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of years in between. So can you tell us a little bit about what happened after you graduated Santa Fe? Sure. Um, yeah, I think... You'll probably circle back to this, but at SFC, I had the opportunity to do some missions trips. um, And that was the first time I ever got to venture into the developing world, which is what we call anything that's not the West, Mm -hmm. um, countries that are, you know, in the past we've called them third world. Um, But yeah, there's all, of course, there's all kinds of analysis of of the language that we use for sure. Um, Where did you go when you were at Santa Fe? Um, I went to Uganda the summer after my sophomore year, and that was so eye-opening. And I just felt like I felt like there was more there for me to learn and for me to understand. And I knew it was going to take longer than two weeks for me to really be able to understand that. But it really not only perked my curiosity, but also really touched my heart. Hmm. And... I knew spending time with people in these different cultures and contexts, I got to see a new side of God. I got to see a new side of the world. And so it really did put something in my heart. It planted some seeds there. And so going on with SFC, I got to do a missions trip in Fiji where we were going to remote villages the next summer. Um, and again, getting to interact with the native people there and see their lives and give them these gifts um, was also just very incredible. And so, yeah, I think that was when I had this thought, I would love to live in a different country for a year at some point in my life, just to learn and just to see what God would do there and how God could grow me. Um, And I didn't know when the right time would be, but I graduated from high school and took a gap year where I actually got to do a Bible school in Germany, which was amazing. Yeah. And Can I um, I ask about what went into that decision and what did did that feel like? I mean, I think like, you know, we're a college prep school. Hmm. I I mean, I know from talking with kids, sometimes it does feel like there's a lot of pressure to take a a traditional, you know, college experience. Hmm. And yet I find that a lot of people who, who do the gap year end up having an amazing experience as well. So Mm. what was that like for you to make that choice? I think a lot of it plays into my personality too. I like to know my direction and know where I'm going. And when it got to the time for college, I didn't know what I wanted to study and I didn't know, 
yeah, what trajectory I wanted to put my life on. But I also knew I really loved the Bible and learning about it. Um, my dad is such a theology buff, and so we would always bond over those conversations. Mm. And so I wanted to get deeper into that, and I also just wanted to travel and, yeah, see other different cultures yeah. and live abroad. And so um, I was pondering all of this, definitely feeling the pressure of, I feel like I should be going to college, but is that really the best thing right now? And um, I was actually at a talk at Horizon Church, mm -hmm. yep. um, and this gal, Jill Briscoe, was teaching. And afterwards, I don't know why, but I just asked her, what do you think? Should I take a gap year? <laughs> Should I do something else? And it turns out that she and her husband helped start and were very much a part of this um, gap year program of Bible schools. And she was really a part of the one called Cape and Ray. They're called Torchbearers. So it was in England, and then they had one in Germany as well. So she was like, you should go to Cape and Ray, because she's British. Yeah. And um, that was, I'm just going to say it was like a C-plus British accent. <laughs> but anyway, keep going. I'll try By more. the way, I, I also am thinking the whole Bible college thing was just so you could one-up your dad in these conversations. <laughs> like, that's really what it was, it sounds like. But, you know. A little bit. Okay. Did it work? Don't, don't tell him that. Okay. But. I won't. We won't send him the link <laughs> to this. But. So, yeah. So, um it was an incredible experience, and I was able to defer to some colleges mm -hmm. that I had gotten into. And so, yeah, um, all that kind of came together, and I really felt like I was ready um, for college after that, just because I knew a little bit more of who I was and what yeah. I wanted. So yeah. then the real wanting up of my dad mm -hmm. came when I got to Wheaton College and studied theology. There we go. And then I could truly yeah. one up Now him. he just cowers in the conversations i'm sure unfortunately he's so smart yeah. i don't think he ever will yeah he always has surprising new insights for me but it's still very very fun to get to that's, talk to that's him that's great and you had a good experience yeah. at wheaton yeah i okay. loved it great yeah um it was incredible an incredible environment just to dive deeper um and studying theology in particular um was just something i was passionate about and it is cool to see the Lord really teach me more about him through the classes. Um, and really, the different classes that I took coincided with moments of my life and ways that I was growing and questions mm. that I was asking yeah. that just came at the perfect time for me to get deeper into these things. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, I was doing a lot of ministry in Chicago that was... Definitely on the rougher side and rougher neighborhoods and just seeing a lot of poverty and the hardships there. And yeah, it was raised a lot of challenging questions about God, but to be in an environment where I could ask those yeah. and have be surrounded by people who have spent their lives really pondering these deep things. I mean, the challenging um, questions amazing. are the best ones. Yeah. You know, the most pushing, the most growing, the ones most worth answering. So, yeah. so after Wheaton, you you went back out into the world you did more traveling yeah so so tell us about that and then we'll get to the book cool yeah so i decided that was my moment to spend this year in a different country this desire that had started in high school um and so i um, applied to different programs and got into one where i was going to be in bangalore india for a full year 
Um, they were doing a lot of um, work with the government and with human trafficking and these different things, um, which aligned with some of the ministry stuff that I'd been doing in Chicago. And so it was a really cool opportunity. Um, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And I'll be honest, India was actually the last place in the world I wanted to go okay. to. Okay. <laughs> Just because I hear it's so intense yeah. of a place. And it is. But um, yeah, in the interview process, the guy was asking me, so is there anywhere, anything about the place we'd send you that you care about and that you'd like? And me being a San Diego child is like, <laughs> well, if it's close to the ocean or the mountains, I'll be happy. Yeah. And he said, great, there's a city called Bangalore and it has neither, but <laughs> you'll be great. You're like, why did you ask? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. But um, that's how I wound up there. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and that's really the centerpiece of your book, if I'm saying this correctly, right, is, is your experience in India. And um, you want to sh- you can show the book sure. to the camera for those watching. It's called Barefoot King. Um, and why don't you tell us a little bit what it's about? And I'll note yeah. that, as you mentioned, both in the book and today, you're going to change some of the actual names of people and organizations and whatnot, because it's a pretty sensitive situation. Um, yeah. But tell us about what happened and, and how you came to write this book. Great. Yeah. So working in India, um, I just was sitting on this desk outside one day and one of my coworkers walked past. His name's Raj. And he just started sharing some of his story. He was a talker. He's very relational. Um, And so he just started giving these tidbits about how he was a Dalit, which is this caste in India that's so low, they're not even considered part of the caste system. They've also been called untouchable throughout the years. Yeah, untouchables or yeah. Yeah. Um, And so there's a lot that's been pushing them down in society for thousands of years. And they are very much impoverished. Um, And there's a lot of things in the system that are keeping them there, keeping them stuck there. Um, And if you read the book, I think there's nothing like a story to really understand Mm -hmm. how all of that works. Um, But I was really intrigued, especially when he said he had become a sponsor child, and that's how he had met Jesus, and that had completely transformed his life. Um, and just seeing his work that he was doing today and somebody who is so well-educated and really getting to use his gifts now um, in this beautiful ministry that I was working with, um, I just thought, okay, there's got to be more to the story. Um, So I wrote a one-pager, sent it back home to the people that were praying for me as I was in India, and they all just loved it. Hmm. Um, And so... I think that conversation sparked him to then think, well, actually there had been maybe four people throughout his life that had wanted to write his biography. And nobody had ever fully followed through with it. And so it sparked his interest to reach out to one of those people who was an American and say, hey, like, would you actually want to do this? There's this girl here who's also American, <laughs> yeah. and she could help with interviews and all of that. So that's how I jumped in. Um, I was 23 years old, so the idea of doing interviews sounded really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't even really thinking about writing a whole book. But um, as things progressed, I just realized I really cared about it. And it just worked out between 
the gal that was going to write the biography and myself, it just worked out so well for me just to take on the full project. Yeah. So 23 years old, just graduated from college, figuring out what I'm doing with the life with my life. And um, yeah, I decided to take this on. So what about the story is so captivating to you? And maybe you can share, you know, a little bit about, you know, some specific things that he's worked on or he's done that that captured your imagination that as a 23 year old, you said the world needs to hear the story. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, we're coming out of a time of a lot of political turmoil. There's so many questions in the U.S. about um, systems and race and where are we at with all these conversations and um, being in the middle of all of that, I've just been so captivated all the more by this story because Raj has had to navigate so much but with grace and forgiveness and Mm -hmm. redemption. And I feel like in the the narratives these days um, that we're dealing with, we've lost a lot of that. Mm. And I think that there's so much power when you are navigating these situations with Christ's love and with that lens of compassion and forgiveness. And so honestly, that is one of the most powerful things about his story. Um, how everything that has happened and that he's had to navigate, he still has that integrity and he still seeks to forgive. I mean, that's incredible. Um, That's amazing. What kind of work was he doing for the organization that, because you said that was kind of the first thing that that kind of grabbed your attention. Um, What kinds of stuff was he doing? And I know you can't get too specific because, um, (laughs) you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you had to wait to publish the book a little bit because of a situation over there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the reason why I'm not just flat out saying organizations' names or people's names is because, um, yeah, the Indian government right now is very, um, very traditional and that means they're much more in line with the caste system. There's a narrative that India is Hindu and anything that is Christian or Muslim is more or less anti-India as well. Um, And so with this narrative that's being pushed, a lot of the Christian nonprofits are in a really delicate situation and they're kind of hanging by a thread of if they're going to be able to stay in India or not. Um, and so, yeah, that's the main reason why yeah. I'm not sharing too much yeah. um, and why I actually waited almost two years to publish this. That must um, have been hard. It was, yeah. Um, You're like, I just spent all this time and energy and effort on this. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, just having to hold it in when the organization, they were the ones that asked, could you just wait two months? Like right when I was about to publish this, they were hitting this really difficult situation with the government. Um, And when they asked for two months, I knew this isn't going to be a two month thing. But um, it was a really good moment of re-surrendering it to God. Mm. Um, The project has been God's from the beginning. And even though I was so ready just to let it go and watch it fly, yeah, knowing that, okay, if this is the Lord's, I'll trust him with this and I'll trust in his timing. Um, yeah, it wasn't easy. Yeah. And there's times of 
wondering, okay, is this actually, yeah. like, am I actually supposed to be waiting? Um, but yeah, I think the Lord was so good in that process. Yeah. So. Well, it's kind of a good segue. I, I want to make sure, you know, we, we, um, we often focus on, you know, the happy endings to the stories, mm-hmm. right? And you got to publish the book and this man's obviously doing some incredible things, but I'm curious for you as 22, 23, 24 year old in this process, I mean, what were some of the really hard parts of struggle, if you don't mm-hmm. mind sharing of, you know, you moved to India. I mean, that had to have been difficult at times. I mean, we can, it's easy to look back and and paint it, uh, you know, in the way of all the good things. But um, mm. I would imagine there were some pretty hard parts to it. Yeah, I think um, India is a very extreme place. So I just, <laughs> I have these memories of these moments being in an auto rickshaw. They're like these little three-wheelers mm-hmm. yeah. that drive around. They look very sketchy. Um, <laughs> but that's the main mode of transportation um, throughout the city. And so I just have this memory of being there and having these moments of, oh my gosh, I love India, thinking about the amazing community that I had built there, um, just how warm the people are. And um, then looking to the side of the street with all these people peeing on the sidewalk and just thinking, I hate India, like what is this place? (laughs) And it's this extremes of, you know, it's such a wonderful place and yet it's also such a hard place. Yeah. And um, I think, yeah, there's a lot of hot and cold moments throughout the day that you'll experience yeah. as you're living there. Um, but yeah, I think in the end, there's a lot of learning of how to navigate um, indirect communication, um, which was difficult trying to get to the bottom of things, even through doing interviews for this book. Mm -hmm. There was so many times I would have to work on building trust with Raj so that he could share um, these more painful moments in his life. Um, Which I know in some places is culturally, you know, you don't usually talk about those things, even with your friends and family. So I can imagine that was pretty tough. Yeah. And I think in some of these moments, too, I'd I'd say some of the two most difficult moments is, one, he was really rising up as a young teenager um, into leadership because of these changes he had experienced because of Jesus Hmm. um, in the Sponsor Child program. And he was becoming a leader, going to college, which was incredible for where he was coming from. And he was really targeted by his village that he grew up in, the high caste people, um, because he was becoming a threat. So he was beaten by 20 people at one point in his life. And yeah, seeing that moment and then also the moment he's later in his life working at this nonprofit and essentially he applies for a job promotion and everybody in this Christian nonprofit basically revolt and say we won't work underneath somebody from that cast. Wow. These two moments I think when you're when you face something like that there's also a lot of shame and yeah. it doesn't make sense that he should be feeling shame and yet that's definitely there. And this idea of how do I tell my family? His two sons hadn't even heard 
those two stories mm-hmm. in his life and they're they're a little bit younger than me yeah. um i think there's yeah there's a lot of that mentality too that's been baked in that makes it really hard to share those things yeah so how did your time at santa fe you know, not not that, and we're pretty clear, people don't graduate here, you know, completed people fully. I mean, that's a lifelong journey. But um, is there anything you drew on during your time over there that you were like, you know, this helped me in this situation? Yeah, just having the gospel infused in my life regularly. Mm-hmm. There's something about that environment and about staff who really care and are really seeking to also infuse your life with the gospel. Um, Being in that environment is so nurturing. It's almost like an incubator that I think sometimes people step out of that and it's kind of a shocker. Yeah. Um, But for me, it had this effect of just being able to be strengthened in that and having these truths affirmed day in and day out. Um, That was really inspiring. And I think, too, there's... Whether it was staff members, teachers, um, people that were leading these missions trips that we were going on, um, I got to see people living lives that were really for the Lord and weren't necessarily normal lives either. Um, And people that had been on the mission field for years and just what that looked like and their heart behind that. And I think interacting with those people too just gave me another way to see the world and see what really matters. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. The, the mentorship aspect of, of Santa Fe, um, is something that, you know, I know for me too has made a big difference. So Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a, a running theme for a lot of us, I think. So when, when you were in some of these moments, whether it was your gap year or when you were in India or in the process of writing the book, are there some of your peers here who you grew up with, who you're still connected Mm -hmm. with, who were a resource for you, support for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, um, I have a couple very close girlfriends that are still in the area, which is wonderful to have. And then obviously my husband now, that also worked out pretty well. So Yeah, that's true. I guess I should have led <laughs> with that. He's a that has <laughs> <laughs> been yeah. definitely cheering me on in this whole project. So yeah, it's, it's cool to see um, the relationships that have really lasted through the years and even through all the changes people go through in college yeah. and growing up. Um, yeah. yeah, we have the same foundation or maybe even just the same same longing for knowing the Lord. Mm. Um, yeah. You are going to go home and maybe brag to Micah that we invited you on the podcast and not him. I feel oh, like yes. that's... Like that's got to be worth some points. Some big bragging okay. rights. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's good. I'll, I'll expect an email from him in a couple of days or yeah. something, just complaining. Maybe we'll get him on. But excellent. Yes. <laughs> so, so I know we've talked a lot about this book and this project that is now, for the most part, completed. But what are you up to these days? What's next? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, speaking of my husband, we actually have a business together, which awesome. is very fun. Okay. What's the business? And my husband is an incredible software engineer. Awesome. And I, after writing this book and actually through this process, got into something called user experience design. Yeah. Um, I think understanding different cultures and doing so much interviewing through this really made me interested in how that works into products today. Um, in tech, and I just, I think we need more Christians in business. 
And so my husband and I both feel the same. And so, yeah, we've been working together for a while and slowly starting to scale that. Um, so we have our own business called Elion Technologies. If anybody needs an app or anything built, um, you can reach out to us too. Are there any uh, companies that you're working with that you can talk about or is it all, you know, hush hush? Yeah. Um, there's a real estate group that I work with called Jason Mitchell Group, um, but they're much bigger in Arizona. Um, and then a current client that we have is called Advana that's in this new micro market space. So vending machines are getting replaced by yeah. these more fancy micro markets, um, and they have them and their sister companies like 90% of the market space. So it's kind of a new off the radar thing right now, but um, very cool to be working with them too. Yeah, well, so. we, we still have the old vending machines. So, you know, oh, if man. you can hook us up with okay. some new ones. Well, maybe I'll try. We'll talk. <laughs> but so how do people get the book? Yeah, great question. Um, it's on Amazon and there's a website called barefootking.com. So okay. hopefully that's easy to remember. And if you just go to that website, um, there's a direct link to the Amazon thing as well. So that website also has some pictures from my field visits. So cool. you can see some pictures of um, people in Raj's life and his village and other significant places. So Awesome. Yeah. Haley, thank you so much uh, for being here, for sharing your story, for, mm -hmm. for being an incredible ambassador for our school and our students, but most of all, just for the way that the Lord has fused himself with the work that you're doing mm -hmm. and um, the stories you're telling. And uh, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing a little bit about it. Mm, thank you. <laughs> Well, thank you, and thank you to those of you who are listening and watching. If it's your first, your first time uh, checking out one of our podcasts, we have other podcasts available, including in our alumni series, which is kind of my favorite, I will say. Uh, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, on uh, Spotify, elsewhere podcasts are found. Our video podcasts are available on YouTube. We look forward to seeing you again soon.